Our scripture reading this morning comes from John chapter 16. I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. When the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth, for he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will declare to you the things that are to come. He will glorify me, for he will take what is mine and declare it to you. All that the Father has is mine. Therefore, I said that he will take what is mine and declare it to you. A little while and you will see me no longer. And again, a little while and you will see me. So some of his disciples said to one another, What is this that he says to us? A little while and you will not see me. And again, a little while and you will see me. And because I'm going to my Father. So they were saying, What does he mean by a little while? We do not know what he is talking about. The word of the Lord. Amen. I didn't plan for that, but I love the uh, concluding line there. We do not know what he is talking about. The word of the Lord, thanks be to God. (laughs) I recently read the novel Resurrection by Leo Tolstoy. Anybody? Oh, thank you. I I should have looked directly at you, Landon. I knew. The novel's main character, Prince Neludov, has a spiritual awakening in the first third of the book. He divests himself of his wealth to advocate for the wrongly accused and unjustly imprisoned. You can check with Landon if I mess up on any of these details. He leverages his high status for the purpose of meeting with people in seats of judicial power. He secures permission from these powerful men so that he might visit the wrongly imprisoned. And when he visits them, he listens to their stories, and he returns to these decision-makers to relay what he sees and hears and requests additional permission to secure their release from prison. All of this the result of a spiritual awakening. And at every turn in the novel, he is bombarded by all manner of injustice and moral quandaries. Prisoners take advantage of his goodwill, wealth, and status. He's entangled in bureaucracy, And given the runaround by the powers that be, he's dismissed by his peers as an idealist. He sees firsthand the abhorrent treatment of the poor and imprisoned and their squalid living conditions. After all of this, the very end of the novel, no spoiler alerts, tied in knots about the moral complexity of his situation and the injustice he sees, Neludov sits down to read the scriptures. We'll pick it up with the narrator who says, tired of pacing up and down, tired of thinking, Neludov sat down on the sofa near the lamp and mechanically opened a testament. It is said one can find an answer to everything here, he thought. That doesn't make you smile. This is the wrong novel for you. Opening the testament at random, he began reading from Matthew 18, verses 1 through 4. After he reads the passage... The narrator again lets us in on Neludov's thoughts. You remember this part, Landon? He remembered how more than once in his life he had taken to reading the Gospels and how want of clearness had repulsed him. What a pity that this is so incoherent, he thought. (laughs) Thank you for the laugh. Captures why I brought this quote to you. We're beginning a series on our purpose statement here at Solid Rock. And... 
just by way of information, this is the sermon series that actually led me to this community uh, back in 2012. So, cheers to that. And the introduction of our purpose statement says that we are following the teachings of Jesus. As a missional community following the teachings of Jesus, we participate in the restorative work of God. Now, unfortunately for us, the feeling of the disciples, which is corroborated by this fictional character from a Tolstoy novel, is that Jesus' teaching is not always easy to follow. In both senses, it's not always easy to understand nor obey. In John 16, again, we hear the disciples say, we do not know what he is talking about. At this point in John's gospel, the disciples have been walking with Jesus for around three years in person. Now, if they didn't understand his teaching by this point, it leads me to ask the question, do we really want to include this in our purpose statement? And if that weren't bad enough, we're also responsible to teach others. Our purpose statement identifies us as a missional community. And when we say we're a missional community, we simply mean that we are on mission together. And that mission is the same one that Jesus gives the disciples in Matthew chapter 28, verse 19. Go into all the world and make disciples. This is the commission that gives shape and focus and clarity to our reason for being. This is our reason for being together as a church. I hope this doesn't come as a surprise to you. Otherwise, we've got a lot of work to do in the coming weeks. We are to be disciples of Jesus who are making disciples. How? Thankfully, in this instance at least, Jesus gives crystal clear instruction. Baptizing them and teaching them to obey all that I have commanded you. So right up front in our purpose statement, we're not only following Jesus' sometimes confusing teaching, but we're on a mission that involves teaching others to obey Jesus' sometimes confusing commands. Again, not all Jesus' commands are confusing. I don't want to leave that impression. Some are quite straightforward. For instance, what has Jesus commanded his disciples to do during his time with them on earth? Well, here's a small sampling. Mark 14, verse 22 While they were eating, he took a loaf of bread, and after blessing it, he broke it, gave it to them, and said, Take, this is my body. Now, this is an easy one. Eating, a necessity for life. Uh, We probably don't have trouble following this command. Or how about this one? I give you a new commandment that you love one another. John 13. This one, not as easy to follow, but certainly easy to understand exactly what Jesus is saying. Or how about this one? Beware keep alert. And what I say to you all, what I say to you, I say to all, keep awake from Mark 13 verse 33. Staying alert might be difficult sometimes. Scanning the room here for a confirmation of that. But this is not an unclear directive. And how do the disciples fare at keeping these commands? Here's an instance, each, each command with an instance of their failure in keeping it. Eat this bread in remembrance of me might seem simple enough, but they have a proven track record of forgetting stuff, including bread. (laughs) Love one another. That's clear, but they often argue about who's greatest. Keep alert is also quite clear, but the disciples instead fall asleep. Now, admittedly, this is a selective sampling, and I apologize to the 
the great cloud of witnesses here, the disciples, but I'm trying to make a point, so bear with me. Here's what we disciples are left with. As people who argue, forget stuff, and lack the discipline to pray, we are to teach others to obey Jesus' commands, to love one another, to eat a meal in remembrance of him, and to persevere in prayer. And to top it all off, we're told in Mark chapter 4, verse 34, Jesus did not speak to the disciples without using a parable. He taught in stories. So to recap, we're left with teachings that come in the form of stories that are at times difficult to understand. Couple that with the fact that we, mistake-prone as we are, are tasked with teaching others. So our purpose statement sounds innocent enough. But I'm starting to wonder here if we've backed ourselves into a corner. Maybe we should revise it. Matt, are, are you open to that? Okay. Maybe we will in coming weeks. <clears throat> so in light of all this, we're faced with a question. How do we fulfill our stated purpose here at Solid Rock to faithfully engage in mission and follow Jesus' teaching? And I'll close there and let Matt pick up the pieces next week. Just kidding. Uh, <clears throat> in the remainder of our time today, I want to try to sketch an answer to this question in one sentence that we'll explore in three parts. So how do we faithfully engage in mission and follow Jesus' teaching? Here's the sentence. We rehearse the story of Scripture alongside others with the help of the Holy Spirit. Let that land for just a moment. I realize here that I'm talking about a statement and using a statement to describe it. Uh, just stay with me. I hope this will all become clear. We faithfully follow Jesus' teaching by rehearsing it. We keep at it. So listen to this description of the early church in Acts chapter 2. We read, They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and fellowship to the breaking of bread and the prayers. Now, isn't it fascinating that these activities map pretty closely onto the list of things we're told that the disciples aren't great at as they walk with Jesus? They're sometimes confused by his teaching. Their fellowship sometimes sounds a lot like arguing about who's greatest. They forgot bread on several occasions. Thankfully, Jesus is there to bail them out. And on at least one occasion, they fell asleep while praying. And yet, here they are, after Jesus ascends, teaching, fellowshipping, breaking bread, and praying. There's an element to our following Jesus on mission that requires perseverance, repetition, weekly, daily, perhaps even hourly repetition, endurance. Paul will say in Romans chapter 5, endurance produces character, and character produces hope, perhaps hope that we can even fulfill this audacious purpose statement. Paul also says in Galatians chapter 6, verses 9 and 10, so let us not grow weary in doing what is right, for we will reap, a harvest, reap at harvest time if we do not give up. So what exactly are we rehearsing? Jesus' teaching, this fellowship, 
breaking of bread and prayers. At Solid Rock, we do this weekly through the reading and preaching of Scripture, passing the peace, receiving communion together at our monthly common meal or our quarterly safe-to-sleep meal, which occurred last night. Thank you to all who helped serve and prepare dishes for that. All of these help us fulfill our purpose, not because Sundays or Wednesdays or Saturday nights at Safe to Sleep are the only times we engage in these activities. No, they are rehearsals. They're rehearsals. A striking example of what I'm trying to get at here when I talk about rehearsing the story comes in John chapter 2. John intrudes into the narrative to offer us a retrospective account. He says twice, In the space of a few short verses in John chapter 2, after Jesus was raised from the dead, his disciples remembered that he had said this. Bible scholar Richard Hayes points out that in these instances, the disciples' understanding came only later, only as they read backwards to interpret his actions and words in light of the paradigm-shattering event of his resurrection. They rehearsed the story. They spent time together reflecting on the very teaching that may not have made sense to them at the time. So, when we say that we are a missional community following the teachings of Jesus, we're saying that we're gathering together to rehearse stories and reflect upon texts that don't always make sense to us. Theologian Robert Capon offers a metaphor that has come to sum up my approach to scripture. I think I've shared this before, and it's a, it's a lengthy quote, but I think it's worth sharing it's an entire, in its entirety. He says, Christian education is the stocking of the imagination with the icons of Jesus' works and words themselves. It is most successfully accomplished, therefore, not by catechisms that purport to produce understanding, but by stories that hang the icons, understood or not, on the walls of the mind. We do not include the parable of the prodigal son, for example, because we understand it, nor do we omit the parable of the unjust steward because we can't make head or tail of it. Rather, we commit both to the Christian memory Because that's the way Jesus seems to want the inside of his believers' heads decorated. Isn't that a great image? So what does this look like in practice? Well, here at Solid Rock, parents, Solid Rock kids, teachers, uh, youth leaders, let's stock the next generation's imaginations with Scripture. The flaws of its characters, the cadence of its poetry, the oddity of its prophetic imagery, its harsh rebukes, and its warm invitations. All of it together. And parents, teachers, this is really hard for a variety of reasons, ranging from behavioral issues to schedules. I mean, you, you name it. Uh, you got kids dressed and ready for church this morning. You know what I'm talking about. But it becomes nearly impossible if we're not ourselves rehearsing the story of Scripture alongside others. I'll let that sit for a moment. Let me just say, we will not always get this right. 
If there's a theme of this morning's message, it's, it's simply that. We won't always get this right. We might even find ourselves in moments of the kind of perplexity that being part of a local church sometimes creates, saying about the very teaching we're supposed to be following, what a pity this is so incoherent. Which leads us to the second part of our our one-sentence answer. So how do we faithfully engage in mission and follow the teachings of Jesus? We rehearse the story alongside others. If you think Jesus' teachings are difficult to understand, try your neighbors. Although Neludov, the character in the Tolstoy novel, does turn a corner as he continues to read Matthew's gospel in that novel, I can't help but notice that his initial confusion comes when he's reading by himself. In the same way, we can't faithfully follow or understand Jesus' teaching on our own. I made a flippant reference to the great cloud of witnesses, but... Uh, People who are here with us and no longer with us, perhaps, could aid in this task. There are times when I won't get it right. And I hope, in each of those instances, that I will be proximate enough to each of you and attentive enough as you model and teach faithfulness to me. I hope maybe you'll leave here thinking the same, feeling the same. We not only read the stories of scripture together, but we also familiarize ourselves with each other's stories. And we'll talk more about this in the portion of our purpose statement that's coming. We talk about caring about one another's journeys, but we want to know each other and to be known. How does this happen when we gather as a church? Well, hopefully many ways, but to name one, we practice intercessory prayer. We pray to God on one another's behalf. We want to be people who pray for each other, not just on Sundays, but daily. And this requires that we know one another's stories, struggles. A little earlier in Galatians 6, the same chapter we read from a moment ago, Paul encourages the Galatian Christians saying, Bear one another's burdens. In this way, you will fulfill the law of Christ. And Paul demonstrates this on behalf of the churches under his care. In Colossians 1, he says, We have not ceased praying for you and asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of God's will and all spiritual wisdom and understanding. He was a person of intercession. Another way we can know and become known is through sharing our stories with healthy, practiced self-disclosure. Healthy vulnerability. Again, Paul in 1 Thessalonians chapter 2 says, so deeply do we care for you that we are determined to share with you not only the gospel of God, but also our own selves, because you have become very dear to us. I've already mentioned this, but the disciples, that original missional community after which we are trying to pattern our life together, didn't always get along. So, when we say that we are a missional community following the teachings of Jesus, We're saying that we're sharing our lives with people with whom we won't always agree. We'll experience conflict. And we need help mediating that conflict, addressing it, getting it out in the open, which leads us to the third part of our one-sentence answer. How do we faithfully engage in mission 
follow the teachings of Jesus. We rehearse the story alongside others with the help of the Holy Spirit. In the gospel text we read this morning, Jesus is about to go to the cross and he's giving his disciples final instructions. And in the midst of his remarks, you may have caught this, he says, I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. That's unsettling, I'm sure, for the disciples. When the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. For he will not speak on his own, but will speak whatever he hears, and he will declare to you the things that are to come. Isn't that remarkable? Jesus tells the uncomprehending disciples that he will send his spirit to help them. After Jesus' ascension, the disciples not only followed the teaching of Jesus that he shared with them while he walked with them on the earth, but they also followed what he continued to teach by his spirit in his bodily absence after his ascension. And this dynamic is what leads the apostles to utter a phrase like, it seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us in Acts chapter 15 when dealing with a sensitive issue in the community. It seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us. They relied on the fact that the Spirit still speaks and they were open enough to listen. In the same way, Jesus continues to teach us 2,000 years later as we read scripture together and trust the voice of the Holy Spirit. So, when we say we are a missional community following the teachings of Jesus, the implication is that we regularly listen for his voice because, here it is, he, he still has things to say to us. He's still speaking. I'm grateful for the heads that I see nodding. And this final phrase, with the Spirit's help, this is not just a, a throwaway. Without the final part of this sentence, we're left with, we're re rehearsing the story of Scripture alongside others. And this could lead to the uh, misapprehension that we are just gathering here at 1040 North Sherman Avenue and reading Scripture together, which is, of course, true, but that is also incomplete. We're not just here talking about the Bible and nothing else. Without this final phrase, we're in a little bit of trouble, just kind of a cloistered community. But with this final phrase, with the help of the Holy Spirit, we're participating in the restorative work of God. We're sent out these doors so that we can notice what God is doing. Call attention to the ways that it aligns with the story of Scripture that we are rehearsing together here each week. As we head toward a close, I want to return to that initial self-identifier in our purpose statement, missional community. The Spirit will help us follow Jesus' teaching, but make no mistake, the Spirit was given to help us help others. And to do that seemingly impossible Great Commission work of teaching others what is so often difficult for us to apply ourselves. And I want to say this just as clearly as I can. So if you've checked out, now's a great time to check back in. Our goal here 
is not to get better and better and better at following the teachings of Jesus until we achieve something like perfection. I'm sorry to all fellow Enneagram Ones, we will not achieve perfection. As someone who has spent my entire life in church, I want to confess, I want to warn you that treating church as a place primarily about my comfort and personal spiritual care or growing depth of insight is as easy as it is dangerous. Unless we couple following the teachings of Jesus with our collective mission to teach others to follow Jesus, we're not pursuing our purpose to its fullest. And I just want to say to you this morning, with, with all humility and openness, solid rock, I think this is an issue that we can improve at, but not without the Spirit's help. Following the teachings of Jesus without mission leads to our not fulfilling our purpose to its fullest. Our purpose is to invite others into the abundant life that we've found on the other side of difficulty. We know each other's stories well enough to know many coming to mind even now, stories of difficulty of those even seated around you. And yet abundant life is possible, and we have found it on the other side of that difficulty. In so doing, we participate in the restorative work of God. And here's the promise at the end that sheds the light of hope into the darkness of our seemingly impossible situations and our seemingly impossible collective task to follow Jesus. See, Jesus concludes his great commission, the words that give shape to our communal life, with these words, which will serve as our invitation to the Lord's table this morning. And remember, I am with you always to the end of the age. We may not achieve our purpose as a community, but God's purposes will be achieved. God's purposes will be accomplished. I am with you always to the end of the age. Would you stand with me this morning? As we prepare to approach the table, as we do each week, we'll make two lines down either center aisle here, and uh, Matt is at that table. I will be stationed at this table. As you come forward, you'll receive the elements. You'll hear the words spoken over you, the body of Christ broken for you, the blood of Christ shed for you. You can receive those elements, take them to your seat, receive them on your own. And do want to remind you that there are people, uh, because we do this alongside others, uh, we value intercession. So uh, there will be people at the back or up here at the front or up here at the front. If you need prayer, uh, we'd love to join with you in that. So let's pray as we prepare to approach the table. God of all comfort, we take comfort together today by remembering that you are with us always to the end of the age. Lord, and in this meal that we share together, the bread and the cup, 
We look forward to the end of the age with full confidence that your purposes will be accomplished. Because at this table, we look back to remember your death as people who are so often forgetful, full of strife, people who fall asleep when you've invited us into a prayerful moment with you. We remember your faithfulness expressed on the cross and your promise fulfilled given as a gift to us the resurrection of the body a life everlasting equip us for your purpose Lord we pray in the name of the Father, Son and Holy Spirit Amen. Would you join us at the table of the Lord this morning?